Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to another Rit Nerds podcast. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, that's partly what this podcast will be about today is just how we're getting getting back at it. And, and just like everybody, life just got crazy for all of us in the last little while as well. So we're just sort of reorganizing everything and we'll, we'll be getting back at it here, hopefully more regularly uh, as we go. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't done much in a very long time. You know, a lot of us had some family things going on, uh, a lot of work stuff. Nathan, you guys have been busy up there. I've had a couple classes come through myself, so uh, we're gonna hopefully kick off the new year of 2023 with uh, a couple uh, guests that uh, are gonna share some more of their experiences or their issues, I should say, and whether they were the rescuers or the uh, downed firefighter. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that at the beginning of the 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's like I say, we haven't really been doing stuff. We've been doing stuff like we always did before this was ever even a thing. We've had conversations and phone calls with all sorts of different people on that, but um, I've never bothered to sit down to be able to record it. Um and that's some of the people we'd like to to get back on here um, to talk about their incidents and things. It's those conversations we've had um, with them privately. Um, yeah, life's been crazy. I mean, I moved, I switched departments, I switched positions. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. It's been uh, a lot of switch. Prepare for has been pretty busy over the last while. It's one of those numbers we're just going over. We got like eight, eight or so weekends between now and August in 2023. So that's good. Um, but also work and family on top of that, you run out of time pretty quick. So here we are. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, made a couple connections over the last year, uh, not last year, past, over the summer uh, with regards to um, people trying to get out there and get good training for their guys, uh, find out info, um, I've had a few guys reach out to me regarding line of duty death reports and just, you know, if I read them and what information I got from them and so forth. And a bunch of that's been going on in the backside. You know, we've been sharing yeah. a lot of information. Um, it's been good. The conversations you hear being had, right. And like, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what we got to do about it. Right. And for the listeners out there, if you guys find a, a, a NIOSH report or a near miss or uh, anything from the close calls website. Sorry, the dog is all over the place uh, from the close calls website. And you guys want to discuss it with us or, or just try to, you know, wrap your head around some stuff. I mean, we, that's what we do with each other. You know, the four of us um, just, we find stuff, we throw it back and forth and we see where we're at. Um, we don't know everything but we tried to understand a lot of things. And I think, I think that's, what's been the, the biggest help for me uh, with you guys here uh, on the written nerds is just like throwing stuff around and, and trying to understand, you know, the complexities of what oh, we yeah. find simple sometimes compared to what we find hard. So. Well, yeah, exactly. I just, it's not, it's not even about knowing anything. I think it's more of the recognition of the fact that we know next to nothing. And that's the whole point, right? Is it allows you in those conversations to find a bunch of different perspective to, 
to formulate and create a plan. And then you got other people to try and poke holes in that plan and figure out what would or wouldn't work about it. And then you rejig it and try something else out. And we all have different times and experiences and calls or training buildings to then even apply that stuff later on and be able to get back and be like, yeah, remember how we talked about that and this? Well, we had a lot of trouble because of this that none of us had even thought about or it worked like a treat. So like do that. But yeah, it's just trial and error and, and being the more people involved, the, the more you're going to cover, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, putting, you know, pen to paper sometimes or or just words to a conversation helps, you know, the mind kind of weed through stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you say something, but you don't realize what you're saying. And then somebody else hears it and they, they kind of comprehend it a different way. And they re- essentially repeat it back to you. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you're like, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out. You know, like that's what one thing this podcast is trying to do. So um, I do have a personal trainer. I want to try to get on here for an episode as well. She does a lot with the, uh, the fire service side and uh, we're going to see what she could bring to the table one day too, for an episode. So that'd be cool. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But um, like I said, any anybody out there that's that's listening and enjoying the shows, um, you guys have conversations that you want to get on here. You know, we could see if we can line something up, get some more people. If you've been, <clears throat> excuse me, been involved in an incident that you feel comfortable talking about, um, even if you don't want it recorded, you know, we'd love to just have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and we've done that before. We've sat and had three hour long conversations with somebody and uh, and that was it. We just, it was fantastic. We all got to take so much away from that person's experience. And they said, you know, we're not, we're not going to record this one. We're not going to do whatever. They didn't want that. And um, it worked out great. Like we, it was still so valuable. I think for everybody, I know it was for me, I think for everybody else as well, just having those conversations and, we're here for that. If that's what somebody wants to do, absolutely. Because there's something to be learned from every single incident. So. Yeah. I mean, not for any, or not for nothing, but if you just need to have the conversation to get some stuff off your chest and we're here, that's awesome. You know, I, uh, I listen to podcasts just to get my head out of uh, some reality sometimes and just go down the rabbit hole with certain things, you know, leadership under fire podcast that usually does it for me. Next thing you know, I have, 15 screenshots of timestamps on the the podcast that I have to go back to review what they said or take notes on what they said or research this paper that they were referring to and and so forth. So it helps me kind of get out of the real world sometimes. Nice. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, you know, you guys are trying new products out there. I had a guy reach out to me on the, uh, Mm -hmm. my red ops page about the new MSAs and what bags they're using and stuff like that. If you guys find new products, you know, you like to discuss them or share them, that'd be awesome. Uh, Just send one of us a message and we'll figure out what to do with that from there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And all the changes that have been in SCBAs and stuff lately, my goodness. I mean, I know you recently did a post, Ron, about that. And with the NFPA 1981-82 2018 standard and the new rectus fittings on the little pressure lines um changing things up i know that's caused some issues in in quite a few departments that uh 
I know one of the big departments near me here, they, they didn't, they don't wholesale buy their packs every 10, 15 years. They've always bought two to three packs every year. Right. And just kept a steady stream. And with that change now, it means, and they, they chose to have buddy breathers because you don't have to have buddy breathers, right? They chose to have buddy breathers in their packs, but now they have, uh, uncompatible pack to the rest with the buddy breathers. And I've had to overcome those hurdles a fair bit. Um, the same department though, funnily also chose to go to the, uh, the vision masks right um with all their new purchases so somebody didn't do that research very well because now they also have regulators and masks that aren't compatible as they continue to buy them so now i mean just clarity on that i guess too is like for people that the vision mask is an option for scott right it is not a mandatory thing with the new NFPA. You can still buy a standard AVHT 3000 and have the regular regulator on Scott masks that is compatible with all other Scott masks and radio regulators for the past decades. It right. is only if your department chooses to buy the vision model do you end up with a regulator and mask that is not compatible with any other Scott product. Right. So even if you guys, if you're a department out there that upgrades your um, low pressure or your buddy breather connections, um, your regulator from your rip pack still may not be um, be able to be used for the newer style mass. So that is definitely going to be a, a little wrench in your your gear there. <laughs> we, oh, we um, had that problem with our, we're a big mutual aid area and there's nine departments in our mutual aid and we all decided we were going to go Scott X3 4500s. Um, and that is slowly being happening, but it's been slowly happening. So we now have uh, two departments are pre-2018. So they have the old fittings. We now have a third department that is post-2018, but they decided to go with the Vision product. So they're not compatible whatsoever at all besides the UAC with either of the other two departments. But like the rest of us will be buying the X3, but with the AVHT 3000. So, but we won't be compatible with the low pressure, but we will be compatible with the regs and mask, except for the, the department to one side of us that decided to go vision for whatever reason. And so they won't be compatible yeah. with the rest of us. <laughs> it's just like oh man it throws such a perspective we're looking at getting just one extra fitting added to the blocks rather than four we right. figure that if whatever one you don't have we were just going to add the um female fitting of the other style to the block on our rip yeah. packs just so it wasn't like such a mess you just kind of and make it so that it was the one blank away Right. So it was easy to identify in low vis, which which was the alternate fitting. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're working on here with that. I mean, ultimately, I mean, it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that when 3M bought out Scott, this all started happening, that we got specialized products. They got rid of the X3. You can only buy the X3 Pro, which, I mean, there was a post came up on the Rit Nerds 
group there a while back okay. about people having the X3 Pro problems with the straps ripping through, yeah, which never really done on me um, until somebody put that post up. But we actually did a, a course one time and I was the one that went to demo a drag on a student and just, yeah, strap came right out, just ripped right out. And I was like, holy smokes. Um, that's, yeah, that was, it was the only one that, that happened to. It's the only one I have personally seen it happen to. But then that post came out and I was like, oh, interesting. So that wasn't a one-off. Um, well, up here, the the new department, or not the new department, department next, kind of next to us got the, the newer style straps and well, the newer style packs. And uh, I'm not a fan of the new style buckles. A lot of people, when they went from the alligator clips to the parachute style buckles, they hated the parachute style buckles because they would, you know, allegedly loosen up you know, as you're moving that down firefighter. And I get that because they have, but, you know, we do the triple wrap with just the, the tail of the, the strap, but these new buckles, it's like free flow all the time. It seems uh, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm surprised the pack is staying in position. Uh, obviously it's only staying in position on your body due to the weight on the, the buckle. But as you're jostling that firefighter around, these straps come loose and loose and loose. And, uh, we haven't found a good way. I mean, the triple wrap or an overhand bite, but I, I don't like the overhand bite because one, no, people can't stuck. tie a knot in, in daylight without gloves, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get them out, you got to cut that strap to remove the pack from the firefighter or how do you, what do you do then, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I know I even in the first people. models too, the tags were small. Yeah. And guys couldn't get on there to actually tighten their straps and then they did change that and put longer tags back on the straps yeah. but the buckles have definitely they're those big plasticky ones now i mean it's yep. not plastic but it's some some different material it's not that same metal slider and stuff yeah it's not just a little steel so and we bought when i was in vancouver we bought the x3s before the X3 Pro was the only one available. And the X3 Pro was just an option. That was before 3M had purchased Scott. And um, those were good packs. I mean, they were just, they were the same pack as really as an NXG7 or any of the Scott's previous. They had just been updated right. to match um, the new standards, but that was it. And they're comfy. The, the pros I definitely find are quite bulky. Yeah. Um, Right around the lower back area, just yeah. a lot of material or a lot of mass, I should say. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I have guys constantly in class. They're like, why can't we go back to wireframes and, you know, this and that. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, that's before. never going to happen just because of the standards and the amount of batteries that have to exist in every pack now and right. And all that sort of stuff. But I, I'd like to argue that I think there's a technology out there or somebody willing to to put the time and energy into designing a pack where the wireframe is still beneficial, but I mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, somebody could do it and just be right. a matter of the cost. I'm also, I'm also a huge proponent of bringing back three quarter boots and long coats. You know, I think that's, that's a style of firefighting that aided us in certain ways. I mean, obviously it hindered us in certain ways, but I think that might contribute to some of our, 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 contribute to lessening some of our injuries or or stuff like that you know like i don't know yeah i feel like i i get where you're saying i've heard that talked about before you mean that uh by having sort of less thermal protection in a way it's going to help 
um, enforce better nozzle placement and better fire science knowledge. Um, I, I, I've heard that before and, and I've, I've heard the argument gone the other way about one of the reasons we've gotten so poor at fire science and fire dynamics as, as a service in general, we've had a decline, not poor, I shouldn't say, because there's so many people that are great at it. Right. Um, I get what you're saying though. But, you know, is, and it's been, and I've heard that argument that because our gear is so good and I agree with that. I think our gear being so good has allowed us to get away with things. Right. Um, uh, Andrew Stearns is probably the best person I know out there to ever talk about any of this stuff. That man is an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, but uh, is that, is that trying to fix a problem we could fix just otherwise though? As my, I don't know. Right. Like, or know. do we just need to, or do we just, or is the problem that we're no longer letting our people train in the choirs because it was too dangerous, quote unquote, or too bad right. for the environment. So then we move to concrete buildings with wood pallets. And then you have uh, municipalities and places saying, well, the real smoke is still too bad for my people. So let's go to propane. And then I've <laughs> even recently heard arguments from departments saying that they would rather not even have the propane props and they want to be able to just train their people with nothing but the Bullard XD screens and smoke machines. And so when we keep dumbing down our live fires all the way to the point of where we see virtual reality suits and people in the middle of a conference room floor, Right. How do we expect our people to be good with fire science and fire dynamics if we're never, ever willing to show it to them? It's a it's a great question because <laughs> I, building construction and, and fire behavior is only, you know, they're four hour classes in a fire one class. They're two small so. chapters of a very big textbook. Exactly. Um, and And I think that's more our issue is we have. We have chosen, for whatever reasons, to dumb down the fire science part of it and exposing people to true fire environment for in-search excuse. And we, I think we've already gone over the tipping point, um, but some would maybe argue we're at the tipping point of it now being more dangerous how we're choosing to train than training people that way. Right. And, and I also think it's not where, I mean, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but this is what we do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's any shock that we find a lot of people on radio reports and hear people talking about people saying the place is fully involved and all this sort of stuff when it's not yep but playing devil's advocate for that person that could be the first time they've ever actually seen fire blow out of a window right because even with wood pallets that's hard in most training buildings to get that kind of fire environment where you can have fire blowing out of a window so there's a good chance that that's the first time they've ever seen that much flame and yeah it's perfectly manageable fire with an inch and three quarter through the front door, but right. they have never seen that much flame before. Yeah. It's more than they've ever seen before because you've never trained them to see more fire than that. Right. So how are they supposed to know any different, right? All they Especially. see 
all their brain is programmed to do is this is the biggest fire I've ever seen. Yeah, and, I mean, especially when we have schools limiting how many pallets you could use, which which I agree to an extent because we don't want to damage the buildings. But, you know, maybe allowing a few more uh, few rooms to be burning instead of one here and then one there, you know, definitely. Or setting them up so that you have pallets on the ceiling. You have pallets attached to the wall. You have, but this is all time, right? This is, goes right. back to even on when we talk about entanglement training, when you get instructors that don't allow students to cut wire. Yeah. Because they right. don't want to have to retie it, right? Um, at what point are we making it more efficient for ourselves as instructors at the detriment of the student? Right. And I think we've gotten there with live fire um, to an extreme where we have now made it overly convenient for the, the organization by having to limit gear cleaning, by having to limit all these sort of different things to organize or figuring out like acquireds are hard work. Acquireds yeah. are hard work. Yeah. To no organize and arrange. And I know I'm talking to you, which is like, geez, you get like 15 acquireds <laughs> a month. Um, but you're, you're a rarity. <laughs> this is true. Um, like I haven't been, I haven't had an acquired since last year. And that was through my company, not through my regional district where I work doesn't allow acquired structures. Um, the city of Vancouver didn't allow acquired structure burns where I, where I was before Vancouver, we got acquired and we did them. Uh, as much as we possibly could, we used to be able to give them um, uh, money off for their demo permits and stuff. Right. By by them letting the fire department burn it, uh, but that that regional district where I used to be before Vancouver doesn't allow acquireds anymore either. Just too much. I actually happened. went back for a couple of acquireds while I worked in Vancouver um, because they're so good, right? And then right. Uh, and then they got rid of it. So there's really like. A lot of places won't even allow it anymore over here. Really? They won't even allow it. They won't, they, they, the governments will not allow the burns. So, and we as fire departments have allowed that to happen. We need to be lobbying the importance of this, but we've, we've kind of drank our own Kool-Aid and that, well, we, we don't want to expose our people to more carcinogenic smoke than they have to and stuff like that. But I don't know, what's the trade-off? Again, we don't want, you, you never want your first fire to be the biggest fire you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> like, for real. You want to have trained for it, right? And it's, yeah. I, well, that, like you said, that comes with training and training builds the experience, right? Because, you know, if we're not getting it on the fire ground, we got to get it somewhere. And well, exactly. I, and one of the cognitive, cognitive recognition uh, what's, the, what's the term I'm looking for? Where you cognitive recognition where you, the minute you are posed with a problem, your brain automatically filters through all your past experiences to find yep. a similar problem you've experienced in the past and apply a similar solution. And yes, experience in the real world 100% gives you all that cognitive recognition, um, but they've also shown training does the same thing. Right. If it's good training and proper training, right? And an LED screen and propane pans are a great piece of training. They're a good way to get lots of reps in, but they can't be the end game solution in my mind. 
I think it's it's a good supplement to add to, you know. It steps on a ladder, right? Like first we stretch lines without a pack on, then we stretch lines with a pack on, and then we stretch lines with a pack on masked up. And then we put a smoke machine in with a road flare at the end. And then you have a propane burner or an LED screen. Something. But then then you need to move on from that to something else. Like you're only, you're not at the top of the ladder yet, in my opinion. Well, it's like the Asheville study came out and it said it needs to be, uh, the reps need to either grow into or be zero visibility, you know, with stress essentially to help these firefighters learn how to uh, solve these problems in in seconds. So, I mean, the more reps and the more time in, in the dark, it seems like you could hone those senses in from what the studies saying. Well, and I just did live fire with with my, one of my groups in a building that used wood pallets, but it was a drafty building. And we honestly could not get, I could not get it choked out enough to even like push a column of smoke out of the fire room down a hallway. That's right. Like, so you're, I'm, we're trying to teach our people to flow and move and to hit but I can't generate a fire that needs it. Right. Right. So how do I get them to recognize and know my officers included what that, what that fire looks like when I can't recreate it for them? Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's tough because especially during your, you know, before the, the, you're out there in the, in the burn building and setting up, you know, you're talking about dynamics, what you should expect, you know, how you should operate the hose line, when you should operate the hose line. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and then the students go in and they're like, well, I didn't see what you were kind of explaining. So I didn't do anything. And it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. You're not wrong. (laughs) So now even in live fire, I've got to ask you to, to pretend. Yes. Right. Pretend. There is black smoke pushing down this hallway two feet down from the ceiling or three feet down from the ceiling. And it's like, I shouldn't be asking you to pretend anymore. It's live fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard with, with the older style schools that aren't really kept up all the way and or, are, or aren't modernized with the times. You know, I, obviously they wear out. I mean, we yeah. had a, um, we had a one and a half story wood frame that we held probably... 20 different writ classes in and there's were days where we'd go up there and we would uh re-sheetrock some of the walls that nice. sheetrock we got donated so uh so you know the students could breach the walls and and do all the other things or the class before them was a little little aggressive and ended up destroying a lot of stuff that they didn't <laughs> really need to do, but they did it so i mean uh, uh, an acquired structure is a huge benefit to any department um i almost wish some towns would recognize that you know a town-owned property with a building on it especially like a you know a brick building or something like that has so much benefit for the fire department just to throw in ladders you know going inside out out the window stretching lines through the hallway even if we didn't burn it exactly it's Let them in there so to force every single door pull every lock search the rooms like yep stretch hose just on that like you say commercial type structures you look at like the studies and the disproportionate amount of maydays that happen in commercial buildings compared to the number of commercial fires we go to right and it makes sense right nobody has a 
warehouse burn building to practice in. So, and most of our fires, it's like 70% or something like that. Don't quote me on that number, but it's huge. It's way more than 50 Our residential one and two family fires. And so we go to a commercial structure and yeah, we fight it like a residential structure because again, our yeah, cognitive recognition, we're, we're just going off of, this is what we do at fires because all of our fires are residential and all of our training is residential. The only place you're going to get that commercial space feeling and stuff like that. One thing I've always said too is, I don't know why in summer we don't pair up with schools. What do you mean? And you just do like a truck and like you can smoke out that school. There's no kids in it anymore. Oh yeah. And stretch your lines down, set up some plywood corners on the school corners. So no couplings bash it up, duct tape some foam to the end of the halogen and, and the ax and, and get a feel for proper huge spaces. Yeah. Right. Like you don't even necessarily have to flow water, but just operating in that, the orientation difference, you're no longer just going to like cruise along a wall. Well, I mean, like, especially for flowing water, you're not hearing all the sides you're hitting, you know, next thing you, you hear one side and then you're flown into the abyss, essentially. Brian, I know soak down a school in the summertime, but. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, in a, in like a commercial style building. Though. Oh yeah. Commercial style buildings, right? If it's an acquired, absolutely. Just being able to right. go through and flow some water, right? It just. There's so many opportunities that I think we fail to miss again because I think it comes down to it's too much effort to try and coordinate. I think it's right. too much. And 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 that's it. I also feel that's somewhat fair. Like there's only so much you can do. Don't get me wrong, especially in the position I now hold, I get it. Like Yeah, it's, it's know, hard. Everybody wants a private lesson and you want to be able to give it to them, but you can't spend a hundred hours a week in the fire hall. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, there's only so much time you can put towards things, but if you can have a good group and you have people that want to champion that and take it on, man, if I had a member come up to me and say, Hey, I'm going to chase down and arrange, uh, for us to be able to do a drill in the school this summer. Right what do you think about that? I would be like, you're my best buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what, let's look at what weekends or days are available for this training. Right. Like, <laughs> well, I, I think that's an important point, right? Like we, we've talked about it um, a few times at, at the Valley house and at work where it's like, what training is, is the beneficial training we need? Because now it seems like there's so much training where it's got to be, um, mandatories and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, we understand there has to be mandatories, but what, what are our, our key areas we need to really focus in as a department? And I think, I think that's huge. I think, I think looking at what you do all the time, how you do it, and then your training aspect goes a long way. I mean, it's like us, you know, to go back to the, uh, the low pressure fittings, we could do RIT for six to seven towns around us. And, three or four of those towns have different fittings than what we have. That's why our our low pressure manifold got it updated with four fittings, you know? So yeah, we got to, you always, I think you always have to readjust, uh, reassess. I think you have to reassess, you know, I think that's okay to do. I think some people are afraid to reassess, you know, maybe like we're talking about, maybe the gear needs to be reassessed, uh, you know, on a national level, maybe the, the burn buildings need to be reassessed on a national level. 
But I think reassessing what your department has, what what the crews want to work with, and and where to go from there is, is a key component to actually moving forward. So it, it's all where you want to go. And like you said, how much time do you want to put in, or can you put in? I should say, you know, we always want to put more time in, but it's it's how much time can we put in? That's like shows like you know Chief Isaacson does down in in Florida, the HROC, you know, the high rise conference. Yeah. If you could get your yourself down, I haven't been, but from the buddies, I went to truck. I've heard it's awesome, right? A couple of buddies have gone yeah. down there. And it was it was marvelous. Yeah, yeah. I so there is say enough good things about that conference, right? There is guys out there pushing the limits. You know, they're trying to do the best they can, and there's a lot of small companies getting acquired structures. It's just again, oh, it's that commitment. You also have uh, Bonifield down in Everett there with West Coast Defensive. Yep. Man, he's doing cool stuff. He was talking about getting acquired. And the yeah. way he can explain, he has got uh he's got a he's got a great way of, of how he of breaking down and explaining things, I find. Um yeah. Yes, yeah, Steve, yeah. Stephen Eller. I see him out there all the time too with the you know, he's cut flat roofs and stuff like that and commercials. He's putting yeah. a lot of infor- information out there. Um the guys down in Florida at uh, Liberty City, they're doing a lot with window cuts and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, there's it's, a lot of good there. people out there. Yeah. That's the thing, right? There's Yeah. And, and it needs to be divided up like that. There's too much for one person to try and champion at all, right? There's too many right. facets within just the fire. It's funny when you first uh, – everyone goes through these stages right and i guess it kind of goes with that graph of like how confident you are versus how long you've been in the service yep and there where it's like you know nothing you haven't been here long there's that like one to three year mark where you think you're a genius um but you've only been here for one to three years (laughs) and then and then it steeply declines after three years i think it is when you start realizing you absolutely know nothing and uh and then very very slowly climbs from like then on for the next 20 years (laughs) but never truly reaches the confidence you had at that one to three year mark where you just thought you were a genius because you got your 1001 certificate um (laughs) but i think i i'm losing train of thought a little bit here but i i i think i'm a little bit the way like that i remember when i hear people say like it's simple it's simple you just put wet stuff on the red stuff, like all that. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're right in a way. Right. <laughs> but there's so, I, I like, I think we give ourselves a disservice in saying it all the time because it's almost like we, we say it so much. It's almost like we're trying to convince ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not like, and I used to, uh, I mean, I started in a small rural department and you're right. You have to do everything. Right. And then I got to a big city where we were still doing everything. We didn't have ladders and truck companies and everything else. And I remember it didn't take me long being there, being like, this doesn't make sense. Like, we have enough people and resources. We should be dividing up the work. Like, I can't know all the truck stuff well and also know all the engine stuff well. Like, let me specialize in something to just really knock it out of the park right rather than having me try and do it all okay right and, and i remember just saying like i get that a lot of departments can't do that 
but when you have the staff to be able to do it, when you have, when you have two, you have eight people in almost every fire hall riding two trucks, well, a truck and an engine in every right. fire hall with four on each, you're, you're giving up an opportunity there to get people to be experts in a section of it. Right. And, and, I, and now I'm back to where we have to do it all because we don't have the people for it or the equipment. And, and that's fine too. But, but when you have the opportunity to do it, I don't know why you wouldn't. Like the value in being able to do it when you have the opportunity for it, I think is massive. Because I, I, you look at guys like Andrew Stearns and he is, he is dedicated his life to like fire dynamics and thermal imaging cameras. And the, the guy's a genius with it all. And thank goodness, because you look at how much effort and work he's put into that small piece of this puzzle. Right. And then you look at like Justin McWilliams and those guys down there and the small piece of the puzzle of search, but the amount of hours and time those guys have put into just search. And then you have your, Aaron Fields and everybody else that's doing just nozzles. Right. And the amount of time and effort that no one person can put that much time and effort into every aspect of this. No. We need people to specialize. We need people to go into these aspects and then share that with us because we just, none of us can do all of that. Right. <laughs> we can't. But that's like uh, Nick Esposito here in Connecticut with the uh, truck tactics. You know, he's going out, yeah. he's working, you know, Another the guy. trucks. And he's right? just, he's hitting it out of the park because people are, are trying to get this info. I mean, you know, Brian Brush sent out the uh, the um, the number the a uh, couple weeks ago about uh, about their surveys that they're working on with Justin yeah. McWilliams and all them. And I was, I was yeah. just mind blown at the numbers they were putting out. And it's because of the hard work these guys are doing. So I know. we got to take that info and run with it. It's amazing, right? They're doing it for us. And, and, and for me, when I see somebody not listen to that information, I find it very unfortunate because you clearly don't realize how much work was put in by these people to, right. to, to get this done, right? And it's like they've made it so easy for you at this point. Yeah. That's, You've got to like... put in one one hundredth maybe one one thousandth of the effort to apply this information to your department than right. these guys put in to make it available for you <laughs> well i mean look at project mayday there, there's over like, over 100 questions these guys are being asked you know tapes and recordings and all the people oh. put into that and we what's what's that been going on almost six years Since now 2015 almost? Yeah. And how many times have we seen the numbers change every year? And we're like, whoa, that's what it was last year. And like today yeah. when I, or not today, but this year, when I looked at the numbers, I was totally thrown back compared to what they were last year. So, you know, things are changing in the fire service and should try to stay up with this all the time. It's a lot of work, but I, work. I do, I do encourage that individual that's out there that, that really wants to, to push into a, uh, um, I don't want to say specification, but uh, uh, subjects in the fire service and run mm -hmm. with it. You know, there's yeah. lots of guys doing forcible entry and and, and we, roof we need those people, right? And push yeah. into it and then share it. Yeah, share it. Don't be afraid to share it. I mean, we share stuff on here all the time, and guys are like, "What's this about? What's that about?" And we're like, "We don't know, but this is what came up in conversation. And this is what we came with." You know, yeah. so Duck don't tape. be afraid to have that conversation. 
So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a rabbit hole, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, that happens. I told you. Yeah. How long do you want to do this for? I don't know. We'll just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we could continue on. Um, but I, yeah. I do think, I do think the first of the year, like I said, we got some people coming on to the uh, podcast here. Um, we got some people coming back. We're going to do a second show with a couple guys because they have more info or input, I think, and uh, to share from their experiences. Well, so I'll I'm looking some different perspectives too from from some experiences as well. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, um, what do you think? We good? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. So, All right. I, for me, anybody out there reaching out. A lot of you guys reached out um, to me on RidOps on on Instagram, you know, asking about the podcast and stuff. And I appreciate that. Um, it, it's very nice to see you guys are actually out there listening to this stuff and and learning from it. So we're trying to get back on track here. Um, you know, between Jim, Chad, and us, just family life has been a little crazy. So we're going to get it squared back up and and start running again. So that's pretty much it uh, for me. So the people out there, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, we will see you next year, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody out there, too. I'm waiting for my place to stop looking like Christmas and uh, <laughs> and get into the new year and all this snow can go away. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to apologize because we were busy, but. Uh, right. We do appreciate that you guys were were asking about it. It's great when people reach out. I love when people reach out to ask questions because there's a good chance a lot of the time it's not something I've thought about at all or definitely haven't thought about in a while. And it makes me reprocess all that again in my head and go through things. And, and it, it is just an open discussion. I mean, it's just start thinking about things. And a lot of yeah. the times... If I get asked a questions, I'll, I'll probably ask a million questions back just to try and work through whatever the problem is. But um, I find those are some of the best learning experiences we can have. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, reach out, reach out and, and discuss with us. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting the people on to talk with us that uh, that we've been chatting to and, and get preparing to get on here. And I think it's going to be good. Yeah. All right. All righty. So long. Have a good day. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> <laughs>